Hello, and welcome to Wenatchee in the Word, a podcast ministry of Ridgepoint Baptist Church. Our purpose is to help each one of us grow more in love with God by studying and meditating on His Word. We're glad you joined us today. Now, let's see what the Bible has to say. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Wenatchee in the Word. Yes, hello. We know we have a few um, new listeners, and so uh, welcome to those of you who have started to listen. Well, maybe Rebecca didn't know that the way she just <laughs> looked at me. How do you know? <laughs> but some of our, uh, if our data on our, uh, where we upload the podcast is to be trusted, then we have some new listeners. And oh, so cool. welcome for those of you who are just joining us. I'm Pastor Micah, pastor of Ridgepoint Baptist Church. This is my wife, Rebecca, and we are in the book of Judges right now. And uh, we're actually starting in Judges chapter number three today and getting to some of the specific judges that this book kind of unpacks for us. And so uh, let's start in verse number one. I'm going to ask Rebecca to read um, the first seven verses, and then from there we'll kind of unpack a little bit of what uh, it says there in those first seven verses. So go ahead. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war at the least such as before not as before know nothing, sorry, knew nothing thereof, namely five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonites and the Hivites and the uh, Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon. From Mount Balaam unto the entering in of Hamath, Hamath, and they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hivites, Amorites, Perizzites, uh, Hittites, excuse me, uh, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods. Uh, I don't have a verse here. Oh, and I'm looking at verse seven just says, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord, their God and served Balaam and the groves. Um, so I had to read that because there's a lot of hard words in there. <laughs> yeah, that was rude. Yeah. <laughs> you um, already knew all of them. A lot of those places are hard to, you know, we don't speak Hebrew and so we don't necessarily know the English rendering of them, how they would have pronounced them. Some of those words are hard, but it's interesting to me that, uh, right at the get-go, we already, um, it, it's almost the first three, well, first two chapters for sure that we've already covered, and the beginning of this almost says a lot of the same stuff, but from a different angle. So like, in this, in the beginning of this chapter, what we just read, it it's saying that the Lord left the these people that the children of Israel failed to drive out of the land, He left them but it specifically tells us why. And it tells us in the first verse that he did it to prove Israel by those people. And then it's also in verse 2 says to teach them war. So mm-hmm. it, it was to prove them, to test them, not so much in a testing like, uh, oh, I'm, <laughs> you know, we, we say this almost every episode, something to the extent of God's not just some puppet master or punitive God that's just playing with our emotions or anything like that. He loves us, and He knows what's best for us. And a lot of times, the situations that uh, play out in our lives, He's there allowing them to take place 
actually to help us. That's what that word prove there means or testing there means to help prove them or really improve them. Yeah, he's hoping that they're going to, through it, exercise faith and obedience. That's not always the case. Yeah. but And, you know, the same as in our life, God, a lot of times the things that we go through, the hardships we go through, the trials, the temptations, a lot of times they are because of our own disobedience or bad decisions like the children of Israel didn't drive out the people. But often the Lord actually allows some of those things to be in our life to help us, to grow us. Yeah, he does that a lot. And I think we can either be bitter or we can use situations to help us grow our faith and to become become stronger Christians and closer to the Lord. And I mean, there have been plenty of times in my life I've thought, you know, I, that was a hard time, but I, I wouldn't wish that it didn't happen because of the things that occurred afterwards that were blessings and how God draw, draw me, draw, drew me closer to him through it. And so, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, what Paul said in Romans chapter eight, verse 28, pretty well-known verse. If you've been in church for any length of time, it says, we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then the next verse after that says, uh, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his son. Really what all of that is saying is all things work together for our good. And a lot of times what that good is, is to make us more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. If we would just allow it to do that uh, the way that God is is wanting it to take place. Just like here he did with the children of Israel. He wanted it to help prove them and improve them. Specifically, it said in verse 2, to help teach some of them war, uh, how to fight. Uh, And it says, at at the least, such as before knew nothing thereof. So there's some, I think it was the last episode we talked about, that this is a generation that didn't know the Lord or what he had done in the, um, for the, for the children of Israel in Egypt or in the wilderness, because all of those generations had died off. And even more so because of that, some of the people that are growing up now, at least children in this sense, uh, have never known war, have never known battles, because they grew up in this in this land. And living among the people and accepting their culture. And exactly. They, they weren't trying to fight them, so they, they didn't know. Yeah, and yet, oh. being the people of God always brings offense. It does. Th- things are going to come up against you. Satan's going to attack you, and you have to be ready to fight, at least spiritually, for sure, in our case. But here... God was teaching them, like, hey, you're my people. People are going to come up against you because of that. So you need to know how to fight. And so and one of the things I want you to learn in the fact that these people are still here is how to war. Some of you are going to have to learn that in this situation. Yeah, like I said, spiritually, because I think a lot of Christians want to physically fight people (laughs) or maybe just with their words. And um, a lot of times that's not what God's calling us to do. He's definitely... He, he doesn't want division, um, but I think Christians Christians uh, like to fight people. And so I think, yes, like there's a lot of spiritual warfare that we miss because we're not in the word and on our knees praying and doing the things that we should be doing. And rather we're we're fighting keyboard wars on the Internet. And <laughs> yeah, it's always good to remember, especially in our day and age, uh, what it says in the New Testament that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy. It's Satan and the and the powers that be that are behind uh, 
uh, really a, a worldview that is against God, and we're supposed to be battling not people, but the spiritual battle that's behind really the mindset of some people. And, uh, and so we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And as the people of God, just as the children of Israel continued to see as the people of God, they were always attacked. As the people of God, Satan is constantly going to be coming up against us. And so we need to be ready to fight, be ready to go to war against him spiritually. Uh, and that's why in the New Testament often it says that we would be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, have the shield of faith, put on the armor of God, all those kinds of things. Because there is there is a real spiritual battle that we face being the people of God. Satan's coming after us. So we got to be ready. And a lot of times we don't like the struggle of sin or the struggle of temptations and trials, but just as these, these people were in the land to teach the children of Israel how to war, uh, the presence of those things in our life really can remind us consistently that this is a spiritual battle and we need to be ready to fight. So then it tells us who those people are. And it tells us that um, then the people, the children of Israel, they start to marry, uh, marry, intermarry with all of the people who are living in the land. Now it's gone even further than just commerce, business dealings, as I said earlier in, I think it was chapter one or two, that they kind of done that to do some business dealings with them, but now it's actually, there's relationships taking place between them. So because of intermarriage, it tells us that then they start to serve the gods of the people that <laughs> they were a with. There's reason that God does not want you to be unequally yoked <laughs> because they had the spouses of those um, Canaanites, who you know, other people in other um, countries or um, their enemies, basically, um, they having them being be their spouses and bringing the all the religion and everything into their lives is going to influence them. You can you can say it won't, but it, it did, and soon they were worshiping the gods that obviously were not the true god. And um, I think it said they were worshiping both at one point, and then basically, I mean, they gave themselves up to pagan idol worship, and they weren't serving God at all. Yeah, they had like added the gods to their worship of the yeah. one true God, but then eventually, ver- the end of verse seven, they forgot the Lord God and only served Balaam and the groves. That that means they were also worshiping um, not just gods in the sense of like the idea of of deities, but actually serving images that were made out of wood and stuff like that, which is still just crazy to me. No. To to for me to be able to look at some inanimate object that I made and to think that it can do anything for me. They not that long ago literally had an angel, which we think is Jesus, come down and talk to them, and then they build idols, and then oh, so <laughs> I don't know, just frustrating. It's just crazy. Like you you had you've seen so much. Even I think at this maybe not at this point they hadn't, but I mean. Their 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 uh, relatives were not as bright, or were th- were not bright either, and we're doing the same thing. It's just they had the power of God in their lives, and they were like, "Oh, let's let's go worship <laughs> this thing we made." Yeah, and just as we talked about in the last episode, kind of the cycle that takes place yeah. is when they forsake the Lord, then His power is no longer upon them. In fact, He allows whoever is in that place to overtake them. And in verse eight, it tells us that 
uh, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He was uh, he was angry against the sin that they had committed, and it says he sold them into the hand of how do you say that name, babe? Um, I mean, I had it down earlier. I thought Kushan Rishathaim or exactly how you say yeah, it's Kushan or Shushan. Kushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And you it thought says, I was going to. That was great. That, that was good. I'm I'm proud of you. And it says the children of Israel they served uh, Kushan Rishathaim for eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othniel the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. It's kind of interesting how long it took them to cry out to the Lord. Eight years. Wow. They were, it, it literally says that they were under this king that they were in servitude to. They were, un, they were in service, un, in bondage to Kushan Rishathaim for eight years. It just kind of, you know, makes you think, how long do we sometimes go before we finally cry out to the Lord when we're in trouble? How, how long do we allow sin to overtake us or a trial to overtake us? And uh, our our thought process to be completely godless or anything like that. How long do we allow that to take place before we actually turn to God? Yeah, he should always be the first thing. And I mean, <laughs> the first person we turn to. And it's easy to say that, I think. But when you're in the midst of things, sometimes you, I mean, there's a lot of distractions. And I know there are times when he's not the first, per- the first person I go to um, and seek counsel from and, you know, open his word and go to when I have questions. And so I think it's, I mean, it it is definitely what we're supposed to do, but sometimes it's easy to get distracted and and not realize that he's the ultimate person that can help us in our time of need. Yeah. And yet, as you even said, too often though, we don't go to him first. And, uh, And we see that in the children of Israel, but eight years when they do finally cry out to God, we see the mercy and the grace of God by sending a deliverer. It says that he sent Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Now, we've already been introduced to Othniel. He's, he's actually, it says younger brother. Uh, what what the Hebrew word there means is kinsman. Uh, if, if you look, and I, I think it's in, oh, I just read it a couple days ago. It's in First Chronicles chapter 4, something like that, it talks about the tribe of Judah, and it tells us who Othniel is. He's the son of Kenaz, and then it t- tells us also who Caleb is the son of. They're not actually related as brothers. They're kinsmen. Uh, he would have been probably uh, Caleb's nephew is probably the relationship, but he was also the person that Caleb gave his daughter to to be Othniel's wife because he uh, set up a battle and went and, and fought a battle uh, in Caleb's stead in order to t- drive some of the people out of the land. But this man, Othniel, is who the Lord raises up, and it says that he judged Israel when the Spirit of the Lord came on him and went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed against Cushan Rishathaim. I think that the writer of Judges was purposefully putting name. the name over and over <laughs> and over. Yeah. Uh, but it says that he goes up against and and wins because he has the Spirit of God upon him. And just again shows us what we talked about in the last episode. It's so important that victory does not come by our own might or by our own power, but by the Spirit of God 
in us. And so we need to be walking in the Spirit. And and here we see Othniel had the Spirit of God come upon him, give him uh, great power and, and strength to go against the king and to prevail. And it says that when he did, the land had rest 40 years. 40 years they were in rest uh, under Othniel being their judge. But then it says this, and Othniel, the son of Canaz, died. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I think we know what's going to happen next, but we won't spoil it. <laughs> but the cycle continues. <laughs> oh, I guess we won't spoil <laughs> so it. So <laughs> we will see in the next episode what takes place. Um, but isn't it just so amazing that despite their turning away from God and how long it took them to come back to God, we still see the grace of God and the Spirit of God help them to get the victory whenever they did come to Him. Man, what what a great and encouraging thought to go with. Uh, a lot of kind of little things that we talked about, but what an encouraging thought to just walk away with today, that God is so merciful and gracious that no matter how many times we fail Him or how long maybe we even go on failing Him, when we come back to Him, It says in James, we draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to us. And what a wonderful truth to go through with that we might try to walk in the Spirit and have that spiritual victory even today as we go throughout the day. Well, my friends, that is it for today. We look forward to having you join us next time. Have a great day in the Lord. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe to it or share it with your friends. You can hit that share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And if you're from the Wenatchee area, we'd love to see you at Ridgepoint sometime. Find out more about our ministry at WenatcheeChurch.com. Thanks again for listening. God bless.